time for another episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and uh, sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to episode 561. You're currently hearing a song called Reverbology. Right now, it's from the surf band Wiped Out. They're based out of New York, New York. And in fact, if you're in New York, specifically in Manhattan, they've got a show coming up at Otto's Shrunken Head on March 26th. So go check them out if you're in the area. Or go to their website at Reverbology.com and check out their shop and their merch. Or look them up on Bandcamp under wipedout.bandcamp.com. Or, one more time... Check out the link in the show notes when you're done listening to this episode of the podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm glad you're here. I'm really excited because I've got somebody on the show that hasn't been on in a long time. He's a stop motion animator. He is somebody who, if you listen to the B-Movie cast and you have been for a while, you might remember him being talked about a little bit there because he made some short films that were talked about there. I'll make sure there are links in the show notes to his short films. And he's been on this podcast before, although it's been a while. It's Ryan Lingle. He and I actually worked on some projects together. Actually, did we? Yeah, I guess technically we did because we both worked on Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. He also worked on the stop motion on Theseus and the Minotaur, both Josh Kennedy films. Ryan's a great guy. He's got a depth of knowledge regarding some types of movies that I just know nothing about. And I appreciate him taking the time to talk with us here at Monster Kid Radio about a movie that I had never heard of before until he brought it up. It's called Swamp of the Lost Monster. It's from 1957, and it's more than just a movie. I mean, normally I would just say it's a movie, haha, but no, it's really good. I enjoyed it, and you're going to hear Ryan and I talk about it in this week's episode of the podcast here in a little bit. After that, we'll do the mail call. We got some emails. I got some things in the actual mail that I want to talk about, but I'll do that after the recording with Ryan. It will become evident as to why when I actually get to the mail call segment, so stay tuned for that. But before the conversation with Ryan, we've got two of our regular segments. We've got the Beta Capsule Review. Gotta get down with Ultra 7 and Mark Madsky. Ultra 7, man. It is slowly becoming one of my absolute favorite Ultraman series. I've watched a number of episodes before, but this time around I'm going episode by episode as Mark's covering them in the Beta Capsule Review. Plus, Kenny's got a really fun look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. And all I gotta say about that segment is I wonder what happened to all those folks that he mentions. I just always wondered about that kind of thing. Anyway, we're gonna get to all of that, of course, on this week's episode of the podcast. And, you know, a special message from Wednesday is coming up as well. In fact, we'll probably get to that message here in a second. Actually, why don't we just get to it right now? everyone, this is Wednesday, and I figured out a way to make the monsters in the machine speak for me. I need your help. My dad says I have to start pulling my own weight around here, but I don't want to have to get a real job. Instead, I found this America's Favorite Pet Contest, and if I win I'll get $5,000. I can only win if you vote for me though. Go to tinyurl.com slash favorite Wednesday to place your vote and help me win. You can vote once a day for free. And if I win, I promise to make Derek buy me all the cat treats and all the cat toys. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 
I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again and remember the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Buried within the uncharted depths of waters surrounding a group of islands off the 50th parallel lies man's most formidable challenge. The awesome awakening of prehistoric monsters long thought extinct. Science was baffled and powerless. The terror-stricken humanity knew that it was on the brink of total destruction. The once proud civilization now had to place its trust and hope in Godzilla and his powerful ally, Robot Man. In concert, they would fight this evil in a duel to the death. Battling by day, battling by night, it was more than a race against time. This war was an all-out effort whose ultimate purpose was to save our planet from total destruction. Now came the moment of truth. The ultimate battle. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Professor Yushima, allegedly the smartest man in the world, is traveling from the Terrestrial Defense Force Base in Antarctica to Japan by rocket-powered aircraft, but a fateful moment of vanished time changes the nature of his visit in the fifth episode of Ultra 7. The Ultra Guard is curious about the professor's real reason for making the trek. Word has it that Professor Yushima's diode will be used to extend the radar capability of TDF Japan. Furuhashi is charged with watching over the professor, but it's already too late. During the earlier moment of missing time, alien Vera abducted him and implanted an alien brain in his body. Now, within TDF base, Vera commands the professor to destroy the radar and warns him of Dan Moriboshi. 
Yushima accomplishes his mission, and moreover, he attempts to destroy Dan by accusing him of being an alien spy. As a result, Dan is thrown into the TDF brig just as alien Vera spaceships appear and commence their invasion. Will the Ultra Guard be able to repel the Vera fleet on their own? And has Dan already been exposed as not from this Earth? Vanished Time, Episode 5 of Ultra 7, leans into cutting-edge ufology of the late 1960s, nearly 30 years before shows like The X-Files would make the concept of missing time a mainstream topic. It's little more than a plot device here, explaining how the professor falls under control of the alien Vera, but the idea of missing time was a key feature of the 1966 book The Interrupted Journey, written by New Hampshire couple Betty and Barney Hill, who claimed to have been abducted by aliens during a drive through the White Mountains in 1961. Five episodes in, it is evident that Ultra 7 is committed to alien and outer space themes, so it's fascinating to observe the way that Subaraya's artists are incorporating various speculative ideas in an almost ripped-from-the-headlines fashion. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. you have imagined in your wildest dreams now becomes a visual reality as Jules Verne's most fantastic adventure in space and time becomes an amazing film experience. the man whose great stories inspired such unusual films as Around the World in 80 Days, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Journey to the Center of the Earth, surpasses them all with Mysterious Island. Starring Michael Craig, who triggers the screen's most thrilling escape, Gary Merrill as a war correspondent, Joan Greenwood, shipwrecked on the mysterious island. And in this story of survival, Michael Callan and Beth Rogan. Come on. What's it doing? I don't know. It's sealing us in. Also starring Herbert Lom as the mysterious Captain Nemo and his fabulous submarine, the Nautilus. Aren't we able to do anything to save ourselves? There's nothing that can be done. Super Dynamation, newest and greatest screen process, astonishes the eye with such scenes as the fight to the death with a prehistoric devilfish, the discovery and destruction of an underwater city, 
Mysterious Island. Photograph on land, under the sea, and in the air. Truly a first in motion pictures. Genesis to the modern screen is the name written in blood. Ega! If I could just call you on the phone. Thrill to the newest recording star, Arturo Jr. The old rock house on the Browns Road. Crazy things happen according to the code. You turn to the left. See ravishing Marilyn Manning in a thrilling, chilling story. The last of the prehistoric giants sees his first girl. Noah. And Curious newsmen search deep in giant country for the last of the ancient cavemen. See a tough giant, tamed by the soft hands of his captive woman. See him sacrifice his ageless beard for her love. They lose her to a boy in a dune buggy, escaping a burning desert. Ega's primitive passion was love or kill. Here, Egotok, the ancient language of love, used at the beginning of time. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we are going to continue our series of Famous Monsters low-tech social media by taking on the short-lived feature Reader's Digest, spelled D-I-E-J-E-S-T, low-tech Twitter. In issue three of Famous Monsters, we are introduced to a short-lived feature written by fans. Inspired by the corny puns in issue one and two, FM readers sent in attempts at monster humor. In Reader's Digest, that's spelled D-I-E-J-E-S-T, we find numerous short quotes, tweets if you will, accompanied by a photo of Dwight Fry's Renfield laughing it up. Let's hear some of the corny comments. Alicia Aria of Palo Alto, California reports, Every time I turn on my TV set, I get a revival of a great Lugosi film. I'm so happy with my Bella Vision. A thing in my cellar is dripping green on me, complains Matt Richardson of Southern California. How do I remove a Frankenstein? My son Tom is crazy about opera, an Indianapolis housewife, Mrs. Roberta Maydell, tells us. Not monster movies like a normal boy. Not my Tom. No, all the time opera. All his schoolmates tease Tom. They call him the fan Tom of opera. It isn't the cough that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. Jose Miller. 
I have a Teensville mania to visit Transylvania, confesses David Illick of Potsdam, New York. Always lurk before you leap, Sylvia Kumiko, Hawaii. As the vampire-type actor said, I'm waiting for a part I can really sink my teeth into. Mike Alicon, Reportersville, California. Why is a missile launching like Dracula in a coffin? Both require a countdown. Johnny Cross, Box City, Ontario, Canada. I just heard a shaggy werewolf story, and to my mind, that's going too darn fur. Barbara Agberg. I'm confused. After seeing a monster movie last night, my girlfriend mumbled something in my ear that sounded like I was a fine dish. But do you suppose she could have been saying fiendish? Zeke Lepin. Warning to Dracula by Sylvia Transvania, age 12. Drac be nimble. Drac don't quake. Drac jump over the candle stake. I saw a doggone good movie the other night. It was the super great grandson of Ren Tin Tin in The Curse of Frankenstein by Collie. I was terrified, and that's no bull, dog. Max Mandelbaum, New York. How are things at your house, Eddie Ackerman, neighborhood monster fan number one, and no known relation to Forrest J. Ackerman? You know who should have been the heroine in Blood of the Vampire? I just figured it out. Judy Gorland, Sabra. Yola Hardin. I think you have the greatest magazine in the country, and that's where it ought to stay in the country. Things are already monstrous enough in the big cities. Robert Block, of course, not the Robert Block, Bobby Block of Frog Hollow, Florida. As one ghoul said to another, he nibbled on things man was not meant to gnaw. Mike Sullivan, Brooklyn. Reader's Digest. Remember, that's spelled D-I-E-J-E-S-T. Only lasted two more issues and was replaced by other ways for fans to communicate. We will see about those in future installments. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Hey, weirdos. <laughs> Bring a fiend to a night of terror. But wait until the dead of night. And from behind the tombstone, maybe you will see... The man and monster. And he is usually with... The bloody vampire. It's time for terror. If you see this, you will see an unspeakable horror that terrorizes the universe. You and your fiend can make it a foursome when you meet the man and monster and the bloody vampire. We must leave the rest of this sequence to your imagination. It is too diabolical for you to take. Black Pit of Dr. M. <laughs> we must apologize. The shocks you are missing would make your blood run cold. Not since the cabinet of Dr. Caligari has the screen been so filled with the eerie. The shocking. The incredible. 
diabolical. We warn you, see it only if you can take sudden shocks, shattering terror. Black Pit of Dr. M. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Is that a bottom ching diving into diving water? I don't know. I really hope I caught all of that in my recording there. I really hope that came through. I hope not. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. We'll dive into th I did it again. We'll jump into the... Hmm. Let's get into the recording. Oh, man. Here we go. We're going to do this in three, two, one. Okay, listeners, I love it when viewers and listeners of the show and the podcast and the stream and the YouTube and everything else, basically, I love it when people bring to me movies that I've never seen, never even heard of, but they want to talk about it on Monster Kid Radio. And this is one of those movies. And this is one of those listeners. It's Ryan Langle. How you doing, man? I'm good, Derek. Thanks for having me back. Oh, got, got to have you back. You know, sometimes we get people on the show and then just because of how things go and life and everything else, I, I take forever to get them back on. And it's been forever since you've been on the show before. So I'm excited to have you back here, especially since you brought up this movie that we'll dive into here. I did it again. That we'll jump into here again. <laughs> okay. We're off to a good start. Yeah, we are off to a great start. Ryan, how have you been? I am good. 2022, treating me pretty well so far, so I'm good. Right on. Now, listeners, Ryan has been on the show, but if you are familiar with Josh Kennedy's movies, you've seen some of his work as well. He worked on Theseus and the Minotaur, Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls. Ryan's a stop-motion animator. We even just showed his two short films, his two short pieces the beast from a zillion years ago and night of the beast did i get the titles right uh yeah uh well beast from 20 zillion years ago ah uh, okay okay uh so many good titles have 20 and the, they 20 is just a good number to have in your title like twenty thousand leagues you know twenty thousand fathoms 20 million miles yeah, all of those hadn't really thought about it but you're right i'm just riding these coattails of the 20s yeah well i'll make sure there are links to your youtube videos for these in the show notes, of course, uh, these are fun, short stop motion, two-headed dinosaur, many epics, and I love them. They're a lot of fun to watch. And of course, your work on Josh Kennedy's movies as well. Have you been doing anything else in the stop motion or sculpture or anything like that? Game -like? People love trilogies, I guess. So I'm going to make one more of the two-headed uh, dinosaur movies. And I think it's called uh, The Beast from... 20,000, 20 zillion, I even, I forget. The beast goes to the reptile dimension, I think. It'll be kind of an excuse just to do what I like to do best and animate all kinds of weird creatures. So that's next on my on my list. So look for that in about five years, I guess. It takes a while. It's a lot of work. 
you know, I, I've considered doing some stop motion stuff here. Uh, you know, I've talked a little bit about this openly. I'm a big fan of Lego and brick films are huge in that community, which is where you stop motion animate Lego stuff. And I thought about getting into that, but every time I think about it, oh, it just gets overwhelming, let alone trying to do it. Oh man, so much work and so impressive and so much respect for you, sir. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, much respect to you too, uh, you know, with everything that you do already. Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly the thing you want to put that can of worms because, yeah, it is time consuming. How about it looks so fun? It's rewarding as well. Yeah. Yeah, I see, it's people like you that make me want to do it. So it's like, oh, that just looks so cool. cool. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll do that, what, in 2030 <laughs> something or other. Oh, yeah. You know, when I'm done with everything else that I have to do. Exactly. Like talking about some pretty cool Mexican monster movies, which we're going to get to. But you know, we got to play a game of the classic five first. Oh, yeah. The Classic Five. For listeners who don't know, and at this point, I think pretty much everybody does. But for listeners who don't know, The Classic Five is a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio and sometimes in person where I take a deck of cards, I pull five cards. Each card has a question, this or that, which movie do you prefer? Questions like that. But they all have to do with monster movies. There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get monster kids talking about their favorite subject, monster movies. You ready to play around with The Classic Five, Ryan? I don't know if if that Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee one comes up. I think I'm I'm toast. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I should. Uh, yeah. So, who do you prefer, Christopher Lee or Peter? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This, well, if you're really asking me that, I'm. I mean, no. I'm okay. Don't make me sick. No, no, not going to. Not going to. All right, here we go. Question number one: Which movie do you prefer, Rodan or Varan the Unbelievable? Oh uh, well. Uh gotta say Rodan because I think that was that's one of the first movies full movies I think I sat down and watched in my life monster of is a skyscraper when he moves the whole earth quivers and quakes and an abyss of horror opens up see these prehistoric beasts emerge from the bowels of the earth after 200 million years to devastate mankind See Rodan destroy a modern city, leveling it to the earth with a killing airstream of his mighty wings. Nothing can stop him. Nothing escapes this monstrous beast of evil. Gotta go with Rodan, though I probably get more out of watching Veron lately just because I just haven't seen it as much, but got to stick with Rodan. Is one of the first ones you sat down to watch? Is this one that you've got a lot of history with? Yeah. It's one of the movies that uh, before we even had a VCR, uh, like my dad would rent a VCR and bring it home and, and have a couple of movies. And one of the ones he would bring home, like I remember seeing um, Godzilla versus Megalon and Mysterious Island and, and Rodan. As well. Yeah. How cool is that? I love me some Rodan, but lately, you know, I love Rodan. I'm, I'm a team Rodan, but lately, Varan, there's just something weird about it that I dig. So, it is, yeah, it's, uh, it's unique. Yeah, it is. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite classic monster design? It's kind of related to the subject, but, uh, I'll probably have to say creature. The gill man. Yeah. Another one. I have a very early, uh, kind of childhood memory 
wherever we were had the ambiance of a Spencer's gift. So I think we were in Spencer's gift around Hall- like uh, Halloween time. But I was small enough that my dad had me up on his shoulders and there was a creature mask. I think it was like a Don Post, uh, just a really nice mask of it. And I just vividly remember like being at about eye level with this thing and like walking all the way around it and saying, what is that, dad? And he was like, well, so that's the creature from the Black Lagoon. It just like put a check mark in my brain of like, this is the creature from the Black Lagoon. I need to remember this. So it's just a, yeah, it was a strong, you know. I love my parents, um, you know, I love my mother, but they didn't, weren't monster kids. You know, they weren't into it. So when I hear stories like that, just, man, warms my heart, man. That's awesome. Well, and I don't think my dad was particularly like a monster kid, but just, I think growing up in that time period, it was just like, you know, uh, those were the movies he was going to see. And, and so you just have a, it was just part of the cultural, uh, zeitgeist i guess at the time i don't know so, yeah it wasn't as much of a niche thing i guess as it is now all right question number three favorite william castle film mm, probably house on haunted hill this is vincent price i've been involved in many blood chilling films like the house of wax and the fly but never have i played in a more terrifying shocker than my new picture the house on haunted hill it's a story guaranteed to make you shudder with fright See the house on Haunted Hill, if you dare. To me, the quinta I mean, he actually, there are a bunch of quintessential William Castle films. Yeah, I'll stick with uh, House on Haunted Hill. Yes, that's it. Vincent Price at his best. All right, question number four. Ooh, favorite monster plant movie? Hmm, okay. Uh, let's see. Triffids is a good one. Biolanti is a good one. Monster Plant. What else? And there are a lot of jungle movies or, or dinosaur movies where there's just a plant monster that shows up for a couple of seconds that might be movies. I, but those aren't monster plant movies, even though I may prefer those. So I'm going to go with The Day of the Triffids. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But... The Day of the Triffids. When terror rained from the sky. The day of the Triffids, when the Earth orbits into a nightmare. When the solid world of everyday reality disintegrates. And the whole population is driven by fear towards insanity. The day of the Triffids, when destruction closes in from every side. And this is where I admit to having never seen it and that I really, really need to. That's a good one. It's just one of those gaps, man. I just, I need to fill it. But that's one I need to watch again sometime soon as well. Well, that was four, right? We still have one more to go. Uh, I, yes. Yep. Favorite follow-up to The Invisible Man. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I have to admit, I'm not really huge on any of the follow-ups. I really love the James Whale version. Um, I've seen them on Sven Gulli. I've just never really seeked out the sequels. I... I don't know if this counts, but I kind of like the Japanese one with the human fly. The human fly meets the invisible man. Is that it? Sure. Yeah. There's also a Mexican one that I have a subtitled copy of El Hombre Invisible or something like that. And I haven't watched that one and I need to sit down and watch that too. 
I think for now, I'll stick with the, the human fly meets the invisible man. It's one I keep meaning to watch, and I guess there's a decent release of it out there now, too, and I just, I need to track it down and watch it, because, I mean, the title alone. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think Arrow put it out recently. I haven't watched it since they covered it on the B-movie cast a, a while ago, and I think that's when I watched yeah. it, which there was an okay version of it at that point somewhere. But, uh, yeah, there's a really nice one now. Yeah, I, I need to track it down. So, listeners, if you've seen the new version, the, the Blu-ray, let me know. If so, it was worth checking out. And, uh, Ryan, you survived the Classic Five. Sure, that was a close one. Hey, that's some merch that I should make, like a t-shirt. I survived the Classic Five. I like that. You know, and, and I'll get to that, you know, when I've got all, all these other projects done, like talking about this movie, Swamp of the Lost Monster, uh, or also known as Swamp of Lost Souls. Uh, it's got a handful of other titles, I believe, as well. But it is a Mexican horror kind of sort of movie. Uh, but it's got some Western elements, and it's a mystery. And it's just this delightful madcap mix of Mexican movie tropes. And I dig it. Ryan, dude, <laughs> this was cool. How did you discover this movie? What's your background with it? There was an old issue of Scary Monsters, and there's an article I Pulled out my issue here. It's by Brian Moran, who I think is the guy who did, uh, there was a Santo fanzine, one of them, not uh, Santo, it was either Santo Street or Santo Scene. Okay, but, okay. Uh, but uh, he has an article in here about the four Mexican gillmen. So there's this movie, this Swamp of the Lost Monster, and there's uh, the Batwoman castle of monsters and chabello and pepito versus the monsters so they all have kind of a a gill man in them and being like a big creature fan i i kind of was like wow i have to eventually see all of these and they weren't easy to find uh back then but eventually that a monster bash uh mexican movie night you know they showed this one swamp of the lost monster so that's when i eventually saw it and this was in the early 2000s i usually have to drive about four hours from wherever i've lived to get to monster bash which isn't a huge deal but at this time i was working at a store deliver installing appliances and when i was done i was able to walk across like two parking lots and go to the hotel where monster bash was it, it was near the airport in pittsburgh so Oh, it was okay. very convenient. Just get done with work and walk over to Monster Bash and go to Mexican movie night and get dinner there. You know, I think this was even before they were doing Taco Bell. I don't know if the staff made the tacos back then or they got them from some other restaurant. They were kind of better. Though, can I go down a little side road here? Of course. I've And I've said this to Ron Adams, so I don't think it'll hurt his feelings, but whenever... Like, I haven't been able to go to Monster Bash much lately. So if I miss the taste of Monster Bash, what I do is I go to Taco Bell and I get, like, two bean burritos. But, you know, if you eat them right away, it doesn't taste like Monster Bash. So what you have to do <laughs> is, like, stuff them under your the seat of your car and so you don't compulsively eat them and then, like, forget about them for half an hour, 20 minutes, then eat them. And they're kind of congealed and then it's, this tastes like Monster Bash. And, you know, it takes you right there, that sense memory. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, you, you watch, uh, yeah, I finally got to see Swamp of the Lost Monster. And then 
you know, it was after a long day of work and I wasn't sure what the heck was going on. But like every time this Gilman costume is on script, you know, he just, he lights up the screen for me. It's such a cool costume. And the, the color, the, the color photography, like when the underwater scenes, it's like, he's like very red and the water is so blue, just these primary colors. It just made a strong impression. So that's, that was my first viewing, I guess. Yeah. It was kind of a challenge to find a copy of it after that. Eventually I did find uh, the Mexican DVD a couple of years ago. So, oh, this was actually the first time I saw the, uh, the dubbed version or any English version again, because usually I just put this on to have just something visually to look at while maybe I'm working on something else. And I don't, this was the first time I've tried to really decipher what's going on in this movie. And, you know, pretty much at its core, this is a movie about insurance fraud, I guess, which I never realized. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie about insurance fraud. And um, there's a kind of sort of monster involved as well, uh, sort of. I had a blast watching this. Now, I was able to track down a uh, Spanish language version of this with subtitles. Now, I'm assuming the subtitles were fan generated. I'm not 100% sure about the lineage of this movie in terms of when it was released here in the States. You said you had a dubbed version. Is that a K. Gordon Murray masterpiece? Like, how was that done? Uh, you know? Yeah, it was dubbed by K. Gordon Murray with his, uh, you know, he did a big package of uh, uh, Mexican movies. And I don't think it ever got a theatrical release here. I think it, it w was released to TV by AIP. There were two VHS releases, one by Genesis Home Video that had a very trying to look like uh, the Swamp Thing movie, I think is what they were doing on the cover of that one. And I guess something weird put it out at some point too. And I guess there's so okay. a French DVD that might be the best looking one. Somehow France has the best looking DVD version of this out there. But I, I don't know. Good luck finding that, I guess. When you first brought it up, I got really excited. And then, you know, the more you think that it, it's difficult to find, it's difficult to find a lot of these Mexican genre films, these Mexican monster movies are just hard to get your hands on sometimes. And, you know, we have some dealers up here that put this stuff out. Uh, I, I do think that I'm going to repeat what I said last night on the stream, actually, that we really live in a great time where a lot of stuff's becoming available now. But I feel like a lot of the Mexican monster movies still lacking some prestige releases up here. So this is one I'd love to see restored and released as a, like a prestige picture because there are some really neat elements to it. It's kind of like a, a sampler of all these different, I'm going to say it again, Mexican monster movie tropes that, or just Mexican tropes in general when it comes to movies that were kind of prevalent during that time. You've got singing cowboy kind of sort of, you got, you know, the cowboy romance, you've got the melodrama, you've got the comedic stuff with the comic sidekick. You got a monster suit. You've got weirdly placed music. You've got all this stuff going on that you see in all these other different monster movies or genre films of the period, but it's all in one spot with a cool looking monster. And I dig it. Yeah. I dig it a lot. Yeah. You, the Western elements, there's another movie. That's one of the ones that, uh, Casa Negra put out with, uh, it's starring the same guy, uh, Gaston Santos, but it's called the living coffin. It's kind of a Western version of the, 
I'm not going to try to pronounce the, well, La, La, La Llorona, La, uh, the okay. curse of the crying woman story, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in that too. He's also in the black pit of Dr. M, which is just a really good Gothic Mexican, you know, that's probably what their strongest points are like the, the Mexican Gothic movies where it's 10 times the rubber bats and skulls and cobwebs that you get in, in, you know, the American equivalent at that time. They're great. But this Gaston Santos is also playing Gaston in the movie. So I don't know if he's playing himself, if he's really a stinging cowboy detective, but he was, I guess, a son of a politician and a bullfighter before he decided to do these movies. So that's, you know, two strikes against him, I guess. But but then <laughs> he redeems himself by being in, in some awesome movies. Also, I don't know if you noticed his horse gets uh, second billing right under him, uh, Rayo de Plata is the name of his horse. And so I, I looked yeah. up Rayo de Plata on IMDb, and he does have an IMDb page. And I'm, do you mind if I read that to you? Oh, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear this. <laughs> the, Rayo de Plata is an actor known for Campiones del Ring and Swamp of the Lost Souls. And that's the extent of it. And it does not mention that he is a horse. <laughs> so, it seems that that's a key piece of information that the uh, you know IMDb has left off, but uh, I don't know. Maybe someone <laughs> can go in and edit that. I don't know. Just add that in. Uh, yeah, just just you know, it, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty important. Can somebody get his agent on the phone. Um, I don't know anything about this guy. I this is one of my blind spots. I, I've talked about this before that I've got some blind spots when it comes to cinema. I feel like I've dipped my toes into a lot, especially lately over the past 10 years or so. I've really become comfortable at least navigating a little bit some of these other genres that I'm not really overly familiar with. And when it comes to Mexican monster movies, and I don't know if it's a language barrier for me, when it comes to Mexican cinema in general, unless it's got a luchador in it, and even then I'm fumbling at best sometimes, I don't know much about them. You've done so much. Like I've found so many luchador movies to watch through your show so i you know uh, i have to think i think you do a great job with that and well stay tuned because this may lucha de mayo we got some good ones lined up all right i'm excited for that um, the other face that you might be familiar with uh is lupe carillas carillas if you've watched the mst3 K version of Beast of Hollow Mountain. She is pigtails in that movie, uh, which I love that. I'm Beast of Hollow Mountain. You know, that's that's probably yeah one of my favorite subgenres. Of course, is just stop motion dinosaur movies. So that one's up there for me. And she's also in the Bloody Vampire. So that's another one that was dubbed by K. Gordon Murray. And you know, when cheap DVDs started appearing, you could always find it for like three dollars at the grocery store yeah that is the nice thing about some of these movies that pretty cheap you get your hands on them pretty easily and i do appreciate that so you know i, I want to get back to the movie here in a second but you've name dropped a handful of these mexican genre films what is your background with those are it seems like you watched a lot of these or at least are overly more familiar with them than i, I am d- well uh, credit monster bash for kind of introducing me to that genre but there was a period of time where i lived in a 
Winnebago in Florida with a friend of mine, and we were trying to play music, but there was a uh, flea market nearby where they would sell uh, these Mexican movies like uh, luchador movies and just Mexican monster movies for about, you know, three bucks a pop. So they were like candy to me. I'd just go buy one and, you know, we did, there was no streaming or anything back then, but like each week I could go and find uh, Blue Demon versus the Infernal Brains and Alpha Video was, this is a plug for Alpha, I guess. But uh, yeah, they were the backbone of, of my DVD collection in those early times too. Like uh, just sitting around in a Winnebago and watching Ega and... Uh, yeah. So that was probably where I absorbed a lot of this stuff. I don't know if that is any. I'm thinking just how fun and then how I could lose weekends upon weekends decking out a wedding bagel to just sit around and watch monster movies and eat old Taco Bell. I, I just, <laughs> that's an experience I kind of want to have. I, I want to have a movie weekend in a, in a Winnebago somewhere watching low budget. It's a <laughs> monster movie. It was a lifestyle there. Yeah. But it's a lifestyle that I, I uh, respect. Because you got some good movies in you during that time, it sounds like. That's cool. Did, I, That's awesome. Good? Yeah. Thanks for saying good. <laughs> hey, if you had a good time. You know, I, I wince whenever somebody says, these movies are guilty pleasures. Like, dude, have no guilt. Enjoy the movie. Yep. Love it. Love it. And this is one that I'm going to go back and watch again, this movie here. Curse of the Lost or Swamp Monster, Lost Monster, Lost Souls. So we talked a little bit about it being uh, basically a movie about insurance fraud. And here's a spoiler. Now, I know we talk spoilers on the show, but here's a spoiler specifically for our friend Stephen D. Sullivan, because I know, I know that Stephen D. Sullivan doesn't like Scooby-Doo endings. You cannot spoil this. Then, yeah, don't set someone up for disappointment. I'm sorry, Steve. Spoiler alert for Steve. There's a Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> it's, it, is it really a monster? Uh, well, it becomes pretty obvious. Uh, I'd say maybe about halfway through the film, maybe a three quarters of the way through, through the film. It's a dude in a suit. They really telegraph that one in. Once you see the monster using a telegraph machine, you, the jig is up. <laughs> Was it the telegraph machine first or the spear gun, the harpoon gun first? I guess it's the, the harpoon gun. Yeah. With uh, Hello. Yeah, that. Mm. Okay. This brings me to another thing. I'm just going to avoid going too much into the plot or keep you from getting to it. But one of the questions you might have is, okay, why, why did he choose, of all things, to make himself a Gilman costume to scare off these people? And by the way, he really commits to the bit. When, you know, he's making some great monster roars throughout the whole thing, like very guttural. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you justify that. And there's also, I only noticed this in the Mexican print, but uh, the eyes actually glow red. They light up at one point. Like mm -hmm. the, the extent he went to make this, this Gilman suit, uh, it has to be commended. Uh, for this evil plan, for this insurance scam. He was committed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he spends all... Oh. Here's another rabbit hole. Is uh, It's kind of obviously a reaction to the creature from the Black Lagoon as far as, like, the design of oh, yeah. Monster. But uh, being a, a uh, Gilman scholar, uh, you probably remember the story about uh, uh, where the kind of concept for the creature 
started, I guess it goes back to this, uh, during the filming of Citizen Kane, there was a dinner party and there was like the Mexican cinematographer, I wrote his name down, Gabriel Figueroa, I guess he told the story of this uh, kind of folk tale about the Yakuruna. Yakuruna? I don't know if I'm saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the, Welcome to white guys trying to pronounce Spanish names, Mexican names. Yeah. <laughs> so Yakuruna was a god from an underwater city in the, underneath the Amazon river. So that's, and, uh, William Allen was there for that story. And I guess that's where that kind of burst the concept of, you know, a gill man living in the Amazon river. So it's just kind of interesting that, to think that that kind of folklore story goes out and becomes, you know, uh, a universal monster movie and then kind of bounces back to Mexico and they make, and they come up with this. So maybe that kind of justifies why he thought, I know I'll dress up as, a Yakaruna because there's some sort of basis in uh, legend for this little, uh, you know, this, this village and that'll stop people from uh, investigating this, uh, <laughs> this incident too closely. You know, I love the lineage of the creature. I love the lineage of the Gilman going back to citizen Kane of all things. That just, oh, it just makes me very, very happy. <laughs> yeah. The scheme to cash in some life insurance, somebody may or may not be dead. There's a plague. There's cholera's running around. Not well. <laughs> I'd say that like it's a thing, a person. There's a cholera outbreak. There's concern about the plague. Right. Yeah. Nobody, you know, the wife of this guy who allegedly died may or may not be blind. You know, nobody knows what's going on. So, uh, Someone's got to go get uh, the singing cowboy detective on the case because he's, you know, he's going to figure it out. Sure. <laughs> I know somebody who is good at solving these kinds of mysteries. I will call him now. <laughs> and in comes Gaston Santos. And his buddy Squirrel Eyes. If, if you watch the dub, I don't know what they call him in the subtitle version, but uh, his name in the dub is Squirrel Eyes. So that's the, yeah, that's the point when my wife got up and left. She said, I can't, I can't watch this. So, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Squirrel Eyes and Gaston are on the case. Well, Squirrel Eyes. There you go. You know, he, he, uh, he's the comic relief. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a thing that you see in these movies too. Again, you see this very broad comedic, uh, performance by somebody uh, or maybe even by a couple of people, you mentioned, uh, so-and-so-and-so-and-so on the castle of monsters. He might have like a pair of these very broad comedians, uh, doing these, these over the top, huge facial expressions, grabbing their hat. Oh no, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, and that's just one of the things you see in a lot of these movies and under most circumstances that would drive me nuts. Sure. <laughs> I don't go in for that, but something about this movie made it work. It's got a charm and I love that's it. it. Yeah, it does. It, it does have a charm that is on one hand for me, it's pretty obviously this monster design, but that, that shouldn't be enough. There's something else. It does have something else going for it. That's a little more intangible or, or maybe it's just the way everything kind of comes together. And I think I messaged to you like, it's probably not for everyone. Like I've, I've felt like you would enjoy it, 
and I know I do, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I recommend all listeners to, <laughs> to check it out, but if it sounds like it's for you, it probably is. Well, uh, I did get a message from Kenny. Now, Kenny watches a lot of these types of movies, big Blue Demon fan, that sort of thing, and I got a message from him. When I announced on the show this was the movie we're going to talk about, he went and tracked it down as well, uh, and he had some comments. Uh, he really, really liked the shot of the swamp and the skull in the foreground. It's he called it a cool shot, and that's a great shot. He makes some comments about the Mexican gill man, and he talks about how some of the shots with the wide-angle lens show some directorial flair. And I guess so. You can see that. Yeah, I agree with that. He posted some stills, some screenshots from the movie, and I, I don't remember which shot he's referring to here, but he says... This scene brought to you by your favorite brewery and tequila factory. Shameless product placement from the, the Margre, Margari Fields to the awkwardly framed company logos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you see that not just in these types of movies, but even the Luchador movies. You see that too. And it's just part of the aesthetic of these Mexican monster genre films of the era. And it's something that, I totally go for it. If it wasn't there, it would feel off. In a way, it adds on authenticity, I guess. Not, uh, sure, sure. Big brands that are a can that just says beer on the side. And finally, he says he likes that this is not a ripoff of Creature, but rather a typical 19th century melodrama with a gill man thrown in made it very Mexican. <laughs> I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, that sums it up right there. Somebody might be or might not be dead. Let's bring in the cowboy to figure it out. Uh, let's give him a rubber knife to hold between his teeth as he's swimming around underwater fighting it. Right. It might make a better double feature with Karuku, Beast of the Amazon, rather than Creature. So, wow. So, oh, wow. Actually, hold on. I have Yakaruna, Karuku. There's a lot of C's and U's in both. Is that another uh, connection? I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out conspiracy theories at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I want to know more about this Gaston Santos guy. I don't know anything about him. Uh, just, he seems like, I don't know. Is he one of these, uh, ah, I'm blanking on all of them now. I don't know. But like we have, a, we had a tradition here in the States of the singing cowboy and his horse trigger, you know, going off and having adventures and whatever. And he always kind of played the same guy. And is that what Gaston Santos was? Is that he was a personality, you know, that he would go off with his horse that may or may not have his own IMDb credit. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of seems like it. Uh, I haven't seen Living Coffin yet. I did find a cheap copy and it's on its way to my house right now, you know, for a couple of bucks. I got lucky, but it's still out there. He definitely does not play this character in the Black of Dr. M. So I would say uh, it's possible that he's doing that in these Western movies, though, the uh, the Living Coffin and, and this one. And uh, I think there's another one. Okay. But I'd say if you'd want to see another movie with him in it, I definitely recommend uh, Black Pit of Dr. M. That's just a straight up a good classic. And I think I've shown that on the stream before. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure I have. Just, this was a lot of fun. You know, I, I started over a lunch break and had to finish it up that evening. And I, I really spent most of the second half of my work shift that day, wishing I could go back and just finish the movie because I just had a blast with it. 
when I recommend when when I I kind of in the back of my mind I I have to worry is this going to be one of those ones that <laughs> you know ruins Derek's day because he had to watch oh no no no. <laughs> no I had a good feeling that that you'd be on board with it but yeah I just uh, I recommend it cautiously oh no this was a lot of fun uh, I had a lot of fun with it it's kind of sort of difficult to get your hands on. I do know that it was shown on Commander USA at one point, but the transfer that has turned up on YouTube from that Commander USA episode is terrible. That one is black and white. It's very washed out. It's it's rough. It is rough. I don't know where else you can see it. I'm trying to quickly do some searching online. There is a version on archive.org. That's kind of embedded within like a horror host show, but that one seems to be, it's a lot better than the Commander USA version. It still looks like kind of a washed out uh, VHS print, but it's very color saturated. though. You, you won't miss out on that. Where did you get your copy? My physical copy is from uh, JC Films. It's just a DVD. It, it's strictly in Spanish, but... Um, the picture looks great on it, though. Okay. That came from Amazon a few years ago when it was like $6. I think it's, I just looking around a little bit, it seems to be more in the $50 range, you know. It's not worth 50 bucks? I mean, in a way, it's priceless. In another more practical way, you, yeah, you could buy a lot of groceries for that, too, so. Oh, man. So I am quickly searching, trying to find a listing for it. I'm not showing that it's for sale on Amazon right now. And I even popped over to the Mexican Amazon outlet, and I'm not seeing it there either. Okay. So well, your your best bet would be probably to go online somewhere and try to track it down that way. Of course, I'm not going to recommend people go and you know, do anything shady in terms of trying to get their hands on it, but... Maybe we can petition uh, VCI because they've been on a roll with all their uh, Mexican stuff lately. Maybe maybe they could put this out. There you go. There you go. I think it would sell. I think it would do pretty good. I'll do some more digging, listeners, and see if I can track it down between now and the time this episode goes out. Because I do think people would dig it. Does it have a Scooby-Doo ending? Yes. But most of us love Scooby-Doo. <laughs> right, exactly. You're set. You're set. Sorry, Steve. Um, oh man, I hate to call him out like that, but I, I guess I'm anticipating the conversation I'm going to have with him about this because I know he's not, he wants his monsters to be real and not a dude in a mask. Yeah. Watch it right up to the end. Watch the monster scenes out of context and appreciate, you know, that there's an underwater night fight with, with this thing. They really put this, you know, fish costume underwater, which is probably the reason like it would have been, I'd love to see like. Santo or Blue Demon come up against this guy, but I'm guessing the costume probably just didn't last long once it was submerged in water and, you know, but, uh, it's a cool monster. That's, that's my bottom line. It, it really is. And I will give it this too. This is not me dissing Creature from the Black Lagoon at all. We all know I love this movie. Favorite film of all time. However, we also know that Creature from the Black Lagoon was shot on two different coasts. And most of the underwater stuff, just it didn't star our leads. Julie Adams isn't doing the dance, uh, the, the underwater ballet dance. Richard Denning, Richard Carlson, not necessarily them all the time underwater with the Gill Man. 
this is Gaston underwater. We know it's Gaston. We see it's Gaston. <laughs> it's it's him. Uh, so we have him doing everything. The stuff on the horse, this, the, the fist fighting or whatever he's doing up on top, the investigation, the mystery. And we know he's putting a knife between his teeth and going underwater in his little red Speedo trying to fight the monster, find the monster. And it's him. And that kind of gives it an edge for me. Not over creature, but it does give it an edge. Right. Just the just get in there and get your hands dirty and make a movie. Yeah. So I recommend, and I think Ryan definitely recommends it. I mean, he did recommend it to me to begin with. So I am so glad that he did. And I'm so glad I got to add this to my list of movies that I watched this year. This was so much fun. Good. I'm glad. Listeners, you got to see this thing. You got to track it down. Uh, I will do my best to try to find a way for you to see it. I think it's something that you're going to really enjoy. Brian does, and I'm thinking Kenny would as well, uh, if I can speak for him based on the comments that he sent me. Any other closing thoughts before we wrap this up, Ryan? Thank you, Derek. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, fun every time. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let, let's not wait. Let's see. When I pulled you up on Skype, I said the last time we chatted like this was like nine months ago. So let's not wait that long. Let's let's have you back on again here in the near future, but not so much that I'm interrupting your work on your, your upcoming projects and everything. Okay. Yeah. No timeline. That's one thing. Uh, I'm So I will go on a little bit about that. Yeah. Every other time I've made a short, I've been trying to complete it for uh, a monster bash or especially in the case of the, the first one, it starts out pretty rough and the animation gets a little better by the end, but I'm basically learning how to, how to animate and, and, you know, use, use the programs and stuff. So I feel like, uh, this time, I'm not setting any deadlines. I'm just going to, uh, work on it bit by bit when I can and, and, uh, not really do any compromises, uh, based on a schedule or anything. So I guess what I'm saying is you won't be interrupting. That is one thing about being an indie you know, filmmaker or creative is that you have your own timetables to work with and have plenty of time to appear on podcasts. So yeah, uh, I don't want to interrupt too much because I do want to see what you got coming up next, but uh, I will probably reach out and start picking your brain uh, gently if I ever do decide to pull the trigger and do some of my own stop motion stuff. I'll be here. When modern Navy scientists defy the unknown mysteries of the past, perpetuated by centuries of native belief, then nature strikes in all its vengeance in Barath, the unbelievable. For generations, the legend was passed on. They said Baran was there, deep in the still waters. They said, let Baran sleep. That lake water is going to be contaminated after we finish the test. Probably affect the fish, too. We just can't take any chances. But those people have depended on their lake for their livelihood all their lives. And their parents before them. Anna, now should we be this concerned about a handful of people when we might perfect something that could benefit all mankind? Hmm? All right, Jim. commander would not heed their warning. He moved forward, ever searching, ever probing, deeper and deeper, until it was too late. Baran rose from the depths slowly, unrelentingly, to wreak its vengeance on a civilization that wanted to know too much. Tumultuous. Terrifying. So awesome 
it will shock you to the core. Buran, the unbelievable. It's time. It's time? Yes, it's time. It's, it's time, time for Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio, Radio Mail Call. Call. Okay, time for the mail call. I want to talk about some emails that we received. Also want to talk about some things that I got in the physical mail. Let's go ahead and start with a book that I got from Ricardo Delgado. He's an author. He's an artist. He's been involved in the film industry. And most importantly, he's a former guest of Monster Kid Radio. Okay, actually, that might not be true. But he has been a guest of Monster Kid Radio. And he has released the book Dracula of Transylvania. And it is a doozy. It is over 500 pages of Dracula. Oh, just goodness. Came out from Clover Press in November of last year. I've been looking forward to getting my hands on it. Ricardo graciously hooked me up and I really appreciate him for doing that. This is kind of a retelling of the story. Well, okay, actually it is a retelling of the story, but there's also some artwork in here as well. I have started reading it and it is amazing. And not just because it's helping me build up my upper arm strength, because it is such a big, heavy book. Man, this is such a cool book. Thank you so much. Ricardo, thank you. I appreciate you, man. Also, Kaiju Queen dipped into the Monster Kid Radio Amazon wishlist and hooked us up with a UPS, an uninterruptible or uninterruptible, blah, 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 you know, uninterruptible power supply. Is that what that stands for? I think that's what that stands for. We had a slight glitch with the stream. Uh, was it last week or the week before on Saturday where we had a power flicker happen? It wasn't a full on outage, but it was enough to kill all the computers and break the stream about 40 minutes into the proceedings that day. And it came up in the chat that, you know, if we had a UPS hooked up and the internet was also not interrupted when we had the power flicker, the stream would have stayed live. Besides, it'd be nice to have a UPS in case I did have any other power issues while I was editing something or writing or doing who knows what on the computer. So Kaiju Queen hooked us up. Like I said, looked at the Monster Kid Radio wish list. We do have an Amazon Monster Kid Radio wish list. I've had it for a while, but I keep kind of fiddling with it. I'm going to make sure there's a link in the show notes to it. If you are interested in sending something to Monster Kid Radio, well, that's one way to do it. Just hitting up the wish list or just contact me directly and I'll make sure you have the mailing address. I don't have a P.O. box yet. Something I don't want to get later this year. And when we do, then we'll put that on the website as well. Another way to get a hold of us, though, of course, is by email. And we got an email from Tom Kriganis from Go Forth and Game. And then, of course, former guest on Monster Kid Radio. He wrote in and uh, yeah, this is what he had to say. Hey, buddy. I wanted to drop a quick note to let you know that I enjoyed the Conga show. Robert was a great guest and y'all had some good insights on the movie. Michael Goff is so good at being despicable here. My goodness, is he such a sleazy character. The rest of the cast is good, but you really watch this one for him and the kaiju action. Yes, I agree with Robert that this is a kaiju movie. It would make a fantastic double feature with the other British kaiju, Gorgo. Listeners, if you get a chance, check out Conga. Tom, thanks for writing in about that. I had a great time talking with Robert. This was in a previous episode of Monster Kid Radio just recently, where Robert from Record All Monsters and I talked about Conga. What a good time that was. Really have a good time chatting with him. Tom continues, Here's some super cool news for listeners in and around the Durham, North Carolina area. The Carolina Theater in Durham has an amazing movie series returning in March. This year's Fantastic Realms series includes Fellowship of the Ring. 
Sorceress, The Visitor, 1976's King Kong, Logan's Run, The Original War of the Worlds, Mighty Joe Young, and The Original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm making plans for at least a few of these. Listeners, check out the Carolinas website for details. I hope to see you there. As always, my friend, thank you for all you do for us Monster Kids. We appreciate you more than we can say. Chills, <laughs> Tom. The Carolinas website is carolinatheater.org, and theater is spoiled with an R-E at the end. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. If I was in the area, I'd be joining you, Tom. But, you know, I say this a lot, and I really do mean this. It's probably a good thing that I don't live near a lot of people that come onto the show or interact with the show, because really, if I did... We'd spend more time going to the movies and less time making a podcast about the movies. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing that we're a couple of time zones apart. But that doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you about movies. we got to get you back on the show in the near future, hopefully. It's always fun chatting with you as well. And finally, we received an email from, well, this week's guest. Ryan Langle. This came in after we recorded. Hey, Derek, I had so much fun recording the other day. It put me in a good mood for the rest of the day. Not that I was in a bad mood before, but... Anyway, I wanted to tell you about a couple of things. One, I'm so jealous you got to see Planet of Dinosaurs on a big screen. That film is beyond reproach in my mind. I get that it came out the same year as Star Wars. I saw Star Wars once. It was fun. But I've watched Planet of Dinosaurs at least 50 times, and I hope to watch it at least 50 more. Of course, it all stems from childhood attachment. Brain damage? Maybe. I gotta be me. I saw Star Wars once. It was fine, but Planet of Dinosaurs is where it's at. Yeah, I, I don't think I can say that with a straight face, but the further I am removed from that experience at Weird Wednesday watching Planet of Dinosaurs, and this was covered in last week's episode, by the way, listeners, the further I'm removed from that, the more I look back on it thinking, you know what? That was a lot of fun, and I do want to watch that movie again. I don't know if I need to see it 50 times more, but I do want to watch it again. Anyway, Ryan continues. I watched The Living Coffin last night. It once again stars Gaston Santos as Gaston the crime-solving cowboy, only this time his sidekick is renamed Crazy Coyote. It's another Scooby-Doo ending, but it's got a good bit more creepy atmosphere than Swamp of the Lost Monster. And it is another fun 50s Western horror hybrid. There's a video essay by David Wilt on the DVD with a comprehensive list of Mexican horror westerns. I tried shaking a stick at them, but there were just too many. (laughs) thanks again and have a great rest of your week your pal ryan ryan that was awesome um i think i have seen the living coffin pretty sure i have and david wilt's a name that's actually been on my mind lately because he contributed to the santo movie collection that just came out from vci you know the big blue ray box set so he's on there as well did i just say blue ray blue ray box set. I think he's involved in that as well. So again, Ryan, thank you for writing in, Tom, and I appreciate you writing in as well. And of course, Ricardo and Kaiju Queen, thank you for the generous gifts. I appreciate you. If you want to get a hold of the show, this is how you do it. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. And with that, we are at the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thanks for downloading, rating, sharing, retweeting, Facebook sharing, uh, posting on Reddit, 
Discording, Patreon. Thank you so much for just doing anything that you do with Monster Kid Radio, whether you engage with the show uh, online through YouTube or you've downloaded it from your podcatcher. I just I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Big thanks to Ryan. Thanks to Mark and Kenny, of course. Really appreciate you. Ricardo, thank you so much. Tom, awesome email. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a fun episode to put together. A good one. I've enjoyed it. I've even enjoyed the music, which we'll talk about again here in a moment. First, I want to let you know that you can find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio at monsterkidradio.net. Links to everything that I just mentioned a second ago, Facebook, Twitter, and all that. You can find our contact information over there as well, as well as a note letting you know what's happening next week on the show. We have returning guest Frank Schildener. Frank is an incredible author great friend of the show and a big fan of all things Dennis Wheatley. So we're going to talk about a Dennis Wheatley film next week. Dennis Wheatley was an author. There have been a few adaptations of his work, mostly by Hammer Films. We've had him on the show before to talk about The Devil Rides Out. Well, this time around, he and I are going to talk about To the Devil, a Daughter. The evil power of black magic has fascinated millions of moviegoers. In 1967, Rosemary's Baby in 1974, The Exorcist. And now, a motion picture that probes further into the mysteries of the occult that any has dared before. 98% of so-called Satanists are nothing but pathetic freaks who get their kicks out of dancing naked in freezing churchyards. I have a feeling I'm dealing with that other 2%. Richard Widmark challenges Christopher Lee for the soul of a girl named Catherine in the terrifying film of Dennis Wheatley's sensational bestseller, To the Devil, A Daughter. This will be a first time watch for me. As with a lot of Hammer films, back when I was doing 1951 Down Place with Scott and Casey and Casey's Kidney Stone, there were a number of Hammer films that I wanted to watch, but I wanted to hold off until we had a chance to really talk about them on that podcast. Whether that podcast is coming back or not, I don't know. I know I keep saying that I'd love for it to come back, and I know Scott's willing. It's just a matter of finding that life podcast work-sleep balance. So in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and dive into To the Devil, A Daughter with Frank Schildener. One of Frank's books has been nominated for an award as well, and we'll talk briefly about that next week too. Okay. That's it. Let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I want to tell you a little bit more about the song that you're about to hear. You heard it at the top of the show as well. The song is called Reverbology. It is from the band Wiped Out. You can find them at wipedout.bandcamp.com. For two bucks, you can pick up this EP, I guess you'd call it an EP. It's two songs, Reverbology and then another song called Mellow Out. I really like Reverbology. I like it so much that I'm going to go to their website at Reverbology.com, link in the show notes, of course, to check out their merch. Surf Punk inspired streetwear is what it says across the top of the page. Looks like they got some great shirts and some bags and a bunch of other fun stuff. So I'm going to go check that out here shortly. Big thanks to them for letting us play their music here on Monster Kid Radio. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Wiped Out. That is copyright 2022, Wiped Out. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. <laughs>